um, in that chapter later on today. On the next day, the crowd that remained on the other side of the sea saw that there had been only one boat there, and that Jesus had not entered the boat with his disciples, but that his disciples had gone away alone. Other boats from Tiberias came near the place where they had eaten the bread after the Lord had given thanks. So when the crowd saw that Jesus was not there, nor his disciples, they themselves got into the boats and went to Capernaum seeking Jesus. When they found him on the other side of the sea, they said to him, Rabbi, when did you come here? Jesus answered them, Truly, truly, I say to you, you are seeking me not because you saw signs, but because you ate your fill of the loaves. Do not work for the food that perishes, but for the food that endures to eternal life, which the Son of Man will give to you. For on him God the Father has set his seal. Then they said to him, What must we do to be doing the works of God? Jesus answered them, This is the work of God, that you believe in him whom he has sent. So they said to him, Then what sign do you do that we may see and believe you? What work do you perform? Our fathers ate manna in the wilderness, as it is written. He gave them bread from heaven to eat. Jesus then said to him, Truly, truly, I say to you, it was not Moses who gave you bread from heaven, but my Father gives you the true bread from heaven. For the bread of God is he who comes down from heaven and gives life to the world. They said to him, Sir, give us this bread always. And Jesus said to him, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me shall not hunger, and whoever believes in me shall never thirst. But I said to you that you have seen me, and you do not believe. All that the Father gives me will come to me, and whoever comes to me I will never cast out. For I have never come down from heaven, not to do my own will, but the will of him who sent me. And this is the will of him who sent me, that I should lose nothing of all that he has given me, but to raise it up on the last day. For this is the will of my Father, that everyone who looks on the Son and believes in him should have eternal life. And I will raise him up on the last day. So read the word. You may be seated. So the, the question I pose on, on the slides there is, what are you looking for? If I were to ask you out of life, what are you looking for out of life? Serve God. Serve God? Wonderful answer. What else are we looking for? Peace. Peace. Amen. We all pay the bills this month? Yeah. Those are real struggles we have. Go ahead, Paul. Happiness. Happiness. What are you looking for here at church? There's a reason you woke up today and drove to church. Why? David. Praise and worship the Lord. To praise and worship the Lord. Amen. Knowledge. Knowledge. To understand the Bible better. They're all good, good and godly reasons to come to church. There's, there's another question I would ask is, if you're generally um, are looking for Jesus, why are you looking for him? We talked about worship and, and serving and those kind of things. But well, what are you looking to get from Jesus? Let me paint the picture of what these people were looking for. They, they had all they could eat. They literally went to a buffet of bread and fish, and they could eat all they want. And they loved this so much that they walked a few miles to find where Jesus was on the other side of the lake. And they, they go after him, and they're, they're seeking after him. Why? Because he gave them all they could eat. They're asking him for things that will satisfy their flesh. You think Jesus is a, a man who's worried about satisfying your flesh? Quite the opposite. He warns repeatedly over satisfying the flesh. He tells us to satisfy the spirit. 
He, he warns us in these very passages, do not work for the things that perish. Now, well, we, all, we all have different jobs, or we, we may find ourselves retired, and we've worked different jobs in our life, and we work for things. Sometimes we work just to make ends meet, pay the bills. That's, that's understandable and honorable. But sometimes we, we work a little extra hard, maybe put in that overtime, because we want that new car. Well, what's going to happen? That new car is going to have a few miles after a little while, and as the years go on, that new car is no longer a new car. It is the old car, the junker that we want to get rid of, because it is perishing. The house that we have, it is soon going to perish. So what are we really working for? When we go to work, what is, what is the purpose of, of us doing that? Now, it's not bad to work where we're, uh, we are told, that, especially the men here, we are told to provide for our families. We are told to, to work as if we're doing it for the Lord. But Jesus is trying to get at their heart. When you seek Jesus out, is it because you're, you're maybe you're one of the prosperity types and you think, well, well, if I come and I worship and I tithe, Jesus is going to make me rich and I'm going to have that nice car and that woman I've been looking for is going to come into my life or maybe it's the man you've been looking for. Maybe he's wearing that striped uniform Cookie's looking for. <laughs> Why do you follow after Jesus? These people are following after Jesus because he gave them bread. I could give you bread. Let's go to Walmart. There's a whole bunch. <laughs> what, why, why would they follow Jesus for this? Because they've made a connection with the Old Testament, with Moses. They, were, they remember the stories that were told about their ancestors. When they would go through the wilderness, Moses would provide them bread. Why was this important? Well, because there was no food in the wilderness. God had to supernaturally provide the food. But they liked this. Why? Because if we're all honest, we, we all have a little bit of a lazy bone in our body. We'd much rather have the bread show up than have to go harvest the fields and then work the, the wheat and to put it in an oven and make the bread and make the butter and raise the animal that we like to, to eat with the bread. See, there, there's, there's a, this thing that's going on in their life. They're seeking after Jesus because they want to gratify their flesh. They, they see things that they desire. We all have things that we desire. And most of them are not sinful things. Desiring to have a full belly is not a sinful thing. But if that is the reason you come to Jesus, is because you want enough food in your cupboard, or you want enough money in the bank account, or enough gas in your car, or enough savings to retire on, you're not following after Jesus. You're following after money. You're following after food. Jesus isn't here to offer you food. He is here to offer you himself. He is the bread of life. He rightly points out that it is not Moses who gave you bread. Moses didn't somehow make the bread appear. Moses prayed to God and the Father answered. When you pray for other people, it is not you that's making those things happen. It is still God. You're beseeching the one who has the authority to give it. Amen? Amen? And so when I ask you again, what are you looking for in Jesus? Are you looking for someone to, to heal the aches, the pains, the disease? He can do those things. And he many times offers to do those things. But if that is why we follow after Jesus, then we're not really following Jesus. We're, we're following a quick fix. We're following things that will make us feel better. <clears throat> Newsflash, everyone in here is going to die. Whether you're 20, 
or 80, a day will come when you'll breathe your last. And then you're going to stand before Jesus and give an answer for every action, deed, and word you've ever done. And there'll be one specific question that you're going to be asked. Was Jesus your Savior? Watch a little video where the guy, guy talks about last week where he's all excited that he's breathed his last day. He gets to go up to heaven and finally meet Jesus and be face to face with him. But he hasn't received his crown yet. And he sees Jesus approaching. And very poetically, Jesus says, do I even know you? When we get to heaven, what is Jesus going to say to us? Is he going to say, well done, good and faithful servant? You followed me. You sacrificed what I asked you to sacrifice. You went where I told you to go. You preached what I told you to preach. You loved your enemies. You loved your neighbors. Are those the uh, praises we will get? I was joking with a few of the gentlemen coming over from Sunday school. I said, I think, I think the thing we're going to get criticized as Christians, not that we're not saved, but we're going to get up to heaven and Jesus is going to be like, why did you not share the gospel? It is the one reason we, we have to follow Jesus is the gospel. Eternal life. That is what he means by the bread of life. Not that we're, in just a moment we're going to read some more verses about, about what Jesus has said. This is one of those moments that, that we talk about when, uh, that it would be very hard to build a mega church on the preaching of Jesus. Why? He literally had 10,000 people there. He could have told them what they wanted to hear and they would have followed him and they could have financed his entire ministry for decades. But, but what does he say in, in the verses that will be coming up? Let's, let's read from John uh, 6, 41 through 59. It says, So then the Jews grumbled about him because he said, I am the bread that came down from heaven. They said, Is this not this Jesus, the son of Joseph, whose father and mother we know? How does he now say, I have come down from heaven. Jesus answered them, Do not grumble among yourselves. No one can come to me unless the Father who sent me draws him, and I will raise him up on the last day. It is written in the prophets, and they will all be taught by God. Everyone who has heard and learned from the Father comes to me. Not that anyone has seen the Father except he who is from God. He has seen the Father. Truly, truly, I say to you, whoever believes has eternal life. I am the bread of life. Your fathers ate the manna in the wilderness and they died. This is the bread that comes down from heaven so that one may eat of it and not die. I am the living bread that came down from heaven. If anyone eats this bread, he will live forever. And the bread that I will give for the life of the world is my flesh. And maybe you got the King James word I'll read. If you eat my flesh. Mm, that would be, what do you think? Is that easy to hear? If we may, may eat the flesh of Jesus, we'll have eternal life. Many people in many various uh, religions, we'll call them, and denominations, have taken this verse to say that when we do the Lord's table, that we're actually eating Jesus when we do that, and that's how we receive grace. For me, that is not a blasphemy. Jesus is speaking of spiritual things. We have a, the Holy Spirit guides us in understanding that. Jesus is not talking about literal bread that will save you by eating it. He is saying, I will give up my flesh, that flesh will be given on the cross. Amen. And that is how we will have eternal life. So when I ask you, why are you following Jesus? I've said, uh, probably at nauseum at this point, Jesus offers you two things. And one, eternal life. Amen? Amen? If you place your faith in Jesus Christ, you will 
be with him in paradise, in heaven. As the, the criminal that was crucified on the cross next to him that placed his faith in him was on that very day. But Jesus also offers us a cross to die on. We are called to follow him. You may not like following Jesus. There's going to be times where it gets hard. Where it gets hard to follow Jesus. Where Jesus says, I want you now to give up everything you have. Give up your job, your house, your family, your friends, and go and spread the gospel over here. Or it says, you know what, I want you to give up on that dream job you have. Stay in the job that you're in because I am going to use you there to spread the gospel. And it doesn't sound quite as exciting, does it? Most of us, if we're honest with ourselves, we are, we are the, the men who have been fed. We're all excited. Jesus did this great thing for me. And we see it oftentimes when somebody hears a great sermon or go to a concert and they get all emotional. Oh, I'm on fire for Jesus. I love this. It's so great and wonderful, right? And then Jesus says, leave everything you have. Go and give it to the poor. Who's willing to do that? Okay, two people. Are we willing to follow Jesus? Jesus said, I am the bread of life. He has offered us eternal salvation. And so what, what happens in this moment? What, when, when his disciples are there, these, um, and, and we talk about the disciples, I want you to understand that there were the 12 disciples that were there with him. But there were also thousands of others who had been following him. They have listened to him and they loved what he was saying and more importantly, they loved what he could do. It would be pretty good in, in a pinch to have somebody who could just give you bread and fish whenever you wanted, whenever you got hungry. It would be great to have somebody who literally can walk on water for you. You got sick, he could heal you. You died, he could raise you from the dead. That's a good guy to have around. But Jesus is not playing games. When he calls you to follow him, he calls you to be willing to give up everything. He may not ask you to give up everything. But it has to, you have to be right with God in your heart when you're going to follow after Jesus. So what, what happens after, after this moment? After Jesus preaches this sermon, how many of his disciples leave him? All but the twelve. All but the, 12, all but the ones he had personally chosen. Thousands. How, how, would, you, how would you feel? Let's, let, let's imagine ourselves in a world where we get out of our small church thinking... Imagine that this church is full of 15,000 people right now. I know, the building would have to be a lot bigger, I know. Just imagine, 15,000 people. And then a sermon is preached where 14,888 or 988, we'll do the math, they leave. How would we feel left over as the church? Would we feel excited? We'd be terrified. Probably run the pastor out of town, those, those kind of things. But this is what Jesus does. And, and who is left? The 12 disciples that he chose. And he says, says to him, says to them, what are you, two go, what are you guys going to do now? Are you going to leave? I'll read to you from, from uh, verse 60 to 71. When many of his disciples heard it, they said, this is a hard saying. Who can listen to it? But Jesus, knowing in himself, his disciples were grumbling about this, said to them, do you take offense at this? Then what if you were to see the Son of Man ascending to where he was before? It is the Spirit who gives life. The flesh is no help at all. The words that I have spoken to you are spirit and life. But there are some of you who do not believe. 
For Jesus knew from the beginning who those were who would not believe and who it was who would betray him. And he said, This is why I told you that no one can come to me unless it is granted him by the Father. After this, many of his disciples turned back and no longer walked with him. So Jesus said to the twelve, Do you want to go away as well? And this is where we see Simon Peter really stepping up to, to be the leader. Simon Peter answered, said, Lord, to whom shall we go? You have the words of eternal life, and we have believed and have come to know that you are the Holy One of God. Jesus answered, Did I not choose you, the twelve? And yet one of you is a devil. He spoke of Judas, the son of Simon Iscariot, for he, one of the twelve, he was going to betray him. So he, when Jesus says that I am the bread of life, that you must partake of him to have eternal life, do you struggle with this? Do you struggle with relying completely on Jesus? Many of us, especially in our, our American culture, we have been raised since the time we were little kids that if we work hard, we can have this dream we call the American dream. If we just put enough effort, enough hours at school, if we study hard enough and work hard enough and catch the right breaks, that we could have whatever we dream to be. <coughs> Who here has ever told, told their children, you can be whatever you want to be? And we tell our children that. Guess what? We find the world to be a very different place, don't we? We do. So what are the disciples going to do? Well, we read here that that Peter acknowledges, who else can we follow, Lord? You are the ones that have eternal life. You are the Holy One. Understand what Peter is saying. You are the long-promised Messiah, the, the descendant of David who is to come. Peter understands who Jesus is. I want us all to understand exactly who Jesus is. When Jesus says, and God will be your teacher, he is referring to himself. He says, no man will see the Father. You will see Jesus, the Father of Spirit. And so we have to ask ourselves, do we really know who Jesus is? And you could look at me and shake your head and nod and tell me afterwards that, that you know who Jesus is and you're excited, you're on fire for him. But Jesus actually knows if you're on fire for him or not. He knows exactly which disciple is going to betray him long before that thought entered Judas's mind. He knows those who love him. And he knows those of us who are just putting on a show. I would encourage you, don't put on a show. You're not fooling anyone. We, we come to church and we worship, yes. But when I ask, how are you doing this morning? You're like, good. Is that a response that a holy God should receive? Jesus gave his flesh for you. When we partake of the Lord's table and we, we read the verse from 1 Corinthians where Paul reminds the people what Jesus said. This is my flesh. Take and eat. It's a reference back to John. It is Jesus Christ. It is his body that he gave on the cross. It is his flesh that would be torn apart. It is he who would die the death we deserve. You all can have eternal life right now. Jesus doesn't promise you're going to be rich. He doesn't promise you're going to be healthy. He promises you that he will give you eternal life because he and he alone can offer that to you. And he says he's going to call you. He's going to require you to be a disciple. A disciple is a word for discipline, for students. 
means that Jesus, God in the flesh, is our teacher. And when he calls us and requires us to obey him, it is expected of us to obey him. Not that that brings salvation, but that will bring God glory. Does God not deserve glory for what he has done for us? And why would we not be willing to listen to him, to obey him when he calls us to, to do whatever it is he is calling you to do? Jesus loves you immensely. He wants you to celebrate, not mourn your sin, because you have been forgiven. We can look up and be, beat ourselves up about our sin over and over. The devil loves to do that. <coughs> or we can celebrate the fact that we have placed those sins on the altar. We have repented and placed our faith in Christ, and now we are sons and daughters of God Most High. So when you hear verses and passages like this where, where Jesus is, he is only going to get tougher from here on out. He's going to tell the rich young man to, to give up everything you have and follow me. He is going to tell another to not turn back to go bury his father, but to follow Jesus. Over and over again, we see that you are either going to be all in with Jesus or you can have no part of him. And what breaks my heart in this country, there are churches all through the land, and I'm sure as much as I would hate to admit it, that there may even be some here in our church, that when, when we get to the end of our lives, I'm going to expect to see you guys in heaven. And I'm going to get up there, and there are going to be people missing. <coughs> it's going to break my heart. And it will break all of our hearts. Because we knew we had the opportunity but we were following Jesus for what he could give us. We we're following him because we enjoy the fellowship with other brothers and sisters. And so I'll be honest, many of us enjoy religion because we enjoy rules. We enjoy right and wrong. This is the box. Everybody has to behave the way that, that we think they should behave. Let's be honest, Jesus is outside of that box completely. He didn't behave the way anybody thought he should. Many called him a drunk. The Pharisees rejected him because he didn't live up to their rules. But let me remind you that it is not what the world says that matters. It is not what everyone in this room thinks about you that matters. It is what Jesus thinks. He is the one that sees our heart. So I pray this day that you really want to follow Jesus. That it really matters to your life. That if he were to ask you this day, to get up and go that you would if he were to ask you to empty your bank account and give it away that you would because there is nothing that is worth more than Jesus Christ Amen. he is everything he is everything to me I pray he is everything to you so when, when we consider what it means to follow Christ I pray that there's nothing that you would hold back from him <coughs> Because let, let us be honest with ourselves. What does it mean to hold back from Christ? It means you're denying Him. Who here is willing to share the gospel with a friend or a loved one? And let me be real clear. If you're not willing to share the gospel, you're willing to deny the Son. And Jesus said, if you deny me, I will deny you before my Father. That should sink into our hearts. 
God has called us to live a holy and righteous life, seeking to bring glory to his name and tell the world what Jesus has done for them. We look at the world and the world is angry and it's sinful. And we can see in this passage why. Because the world is working for things that perish. And the world tells us what we should be doing. Tells us how, how great we could be if we just work a little harder. That's a lie of the devil. You can work a little harder each and every day. And you're never going to be more than you are now. You're a sinner or you're a saint. The world doesn't get to place any judgment on you at the end. The devil may lie to you and tell you he'll make you great. He'll make you the chief of all sinners. That is as high as he can take you. But Jesus can make you a son or daughter of the Most High God. The Father has no grandchildren. He only has children. His children know his voice. We are like sheep. We know the voice of our shepherd. Are we listening to that voice? Or are we wandering off doing our own thing? I'll finish with this. There's a two disciples that, that we could kind of contrast here. There is Peter who says, Where should we go, Lord? You are the one that has the ways of eternal life, the words of eternal life. But then there's another who Jesus says will later betray him. He calls him a devil. What is the difference between Peter and Judas? There's many Peters in this room. I know many of you personally... I, I know your walk with the Lord, but there are a few Judases in this room as well. You're like, well, that may be harsh. But what is the difference between them? Simply faith. Peter had faith that Jesus is who he said he was. And Judas was working for the bread that perishes. Judas followed because he cared about the money. So where are we going to be today? Are we going to follow after Jesus because we really want to follow Jesus? Yes, we want eternal life, but that should just be the beginning. I want to follow Jesus because he is everything to me. The only thing in this life that matters more to me than my wife and daughter is Jesus. I pray you can say the same thing. There's nothing I want to give up for him. There's nowhere I want to go for him. There's nowhere on this earth we all should be able to echo those same kind of sentiments he's not all going to call us in the same way but we are all called out to follow him I pray that you will rely on him today because the day will come when your car fails the day may come where you can't pay your mortgage the day may come where some bad guys empty your bank account it's a lot easier than we realize you could go from being the rich man to Lazarus overnight. At the end of our life, we're going to be able to ask ourselves a question. And there'll be some, some preacher standing up there at a pulpit like this giving a eulogy. And we'll, we almost always talk about what, what kind of job you had. What did you work? Did we talk about where did you, what did you work for? Did you work so your family could have a nice house? You could go on vacation. I understand the, those type of things. But did you work for the Lord? Because at the end of the day, that is what's going to matter. 
whether you're in construction, countertops, IT, you drive a bus, those, all those different kinds of things that you could do in life. It doesn't matter the occupation, but what's in the heart of why you're doing that. You could do it because that is what God has enabled you to do to provide your, for your family and gives you opportunities at that place to work for Him by sharing the gospel with, with those you come and count, um, encounter with. And I understand the world we live in. The world says it's illegal to tell people about Jesus at work. The world is a liar. God has not said it is illegal. God will deal with those who have made such constraints. Because they are trying to, to fatten up hell. They don't want the gospel to be heard because the gospel says there is a God who will judge you for your sins. And there's a God who has offered you salvation and you've rejected it. The gospel can be free, but to those who reject it is the ultimate condemnation. Ultimately, as Brother Mike read earlier and I read in this, is the bread of life is Jesus Christ. It offers you eternal life. How do we partake in that bread? It's an important thing to know. Well, we're not just here to talk about whimsical spiritual things. How do you partake in the bread of life? You slice into that bread with faith. You partake of it by faith. If you have faith that Jesus is the Christ, that he is the Son of God, that he was sent to die for your sins, and that he has, and is now seated at the right hand of the Father, that what is you're responsible for is repenting of your sins and placing your faith in Jesus Christ. Have you done that? I know most of us here, we believe we have. And so I would challenge you, if you're in that situation, okay, what's next? How do you start following Jesus? It's great that you came down and you did the altar call. It's great you entered in the waters of baptism. And if you haven't, do so. It is the first act Jesus asks us to do. Repent and be baptized. Is the way that you enter into what we call the church. But beyond that, what do we do? We don't sit on our hands and pews all day long, that's for sure. God has enabled us uniquely. Each one of us has spiritual gifts. You have gifts that I don't have, that I couldn't dream of having, and you have ways to minister to people that are far beyond my ability. Because God has gifted that to you. You know what those gifts are. And if you don't, please come talk to me. Because I, from knowing most of you, I know what they are. Use those gifts. Because that is how God draws the others to himself. Jesus said, none can come to me unless the Father draws them. How does the Father draw them? Yes, through the Holy Spirit. But the Holy Spirit's living in you. You are how the Father will draw them in. And we, we talk about our loved ones, our, our family members we want to see saved. But it may be that our family members don't want Jesus because they don't want what you show them. I know that may be harsh, and we're not all in that boat. But understand how you live your life out, it matters. Over in South Elgin, there's this great big church of 15,000 people. Their testimony has been blown out of the water. Bill Hybels. People look at me, what are you talking about? Bill Hybels has been 
has been revealed to be a womanizer, willing to cheat on his wife as a senior pastor of one of the leading churches in the country. The church secretly paid off families because their children had, had been molested. But they're there to tell you how to be a great leader in your company. They've lost all their witness. It matters. Our witness matters. These people that they didn't want to follow Jesus anymore because he couldn't offer them what they wanted. He was not going to give them a free buffet whenever they wanted. A time is going to come when, when you're taking those baby steps with Jesus and things seem easy. And then he's going to say, no, you need to start walking now. You start need to run. I'm going to have you do a marathon. And it's going to get hard and we're going to feel those cramps and my asthma is going to kick in. And it's going to be easy to stop following, to sit back down, to just be fans of Jesus. There's a lot of us, we're fans of Jesus. We'll cheer him on. But Jesus has been called up. He said, you will now do greater things than I have done. And he tells us he's watching. He says, do not be the one sleeping when I return. And we can go over to the, the parable of the talents. We don't have enough time to do that this morning. But those of you who have been in your word any period of time know that there's an expectation put on your life as a Christian. I will close with this. If you don't know who Jesus is, please come to down to this altar. I will introduce you to who he is. And if you do know who he is, have you been living up to the call that God's placed on your life? And if not, come down. I want us to get that right. Time is too short. The salvation of souls is too precious. The gospel came at such a high price, we should not ever be accused of not living out our call. Amen? Amen. Amen. Let us pray. Our Father, Lord Jesus, we give you thanks for this day. We give you praise for this day, Lord. Thank you for offering us your body on that cross, Lord, the bread of life. Not the, not the simple bread of manna that was found in the wilderness. Not the bread we find at Panera, but the true bread. The day will come where you'll raise these bodies up to life, Lord. And we'll be in eternity with you. And we will no longer need to eat for nourishment, but out of the simple joy of the taste buds you have blessed us with. So I pray, Lord, that, that you be with us. If there's anyone here, Lord, bring them down. Let the Holy Spirit convict them so that they may receive you as Lord and Savior. And if there's anyone here, Lord, who who knows you, but maybe they haven't been living for you, they they've been living in sin or they haven't been following and listening to what you've been telling them to do, allow them not to have any more fear, but to follow and know that you will provide, you will sustain them, you will give them all that they need. In your holy name, Jesus.